If you please turn in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. We're going to be looking at chapter 9. We'll look at the entire chapter this morning, if you're using the, or this evening. If you're using the Pew Bible, that's found on page 533. And as we've seen in this series, uh, the book of Proverbs is about wisdom. It's about the importance of gaining wisdom and doing anything you can to get wisdom. And this chapter nicely lays out for us a contrast, a contrast between wisdom and its opposite, folly. And the sermon here is simply a listing of of these contrasted, highlighted in this chapter. So Proverbs chapter 9, hear now the word of the Lord. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn and hear. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live, and walk in the light of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and whoever reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there and that her guests are the depths of Sheol. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. And Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be with us. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to get anything profitable. It's just words on a page to us without your spirit. But when your spirit opens our minds and opens our heart, it is the very word of God. It is delicious to us. It is pearls of great price. The most valuable thing there is in this world is your word. And it has power. It is the most powerful thing. It has power to impart life where there is death, where there is no life. And Father, we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will now accomplish what you will from your word. I pray, Father, your spirit will be speaking through me. I will speak your words. And Father, we pray that we will be blessed and you will be glorified by this time. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, whenever we're making an important decision, such as buying a house or buying a car or choosing a college or choosing a job, a decision where we need to decide maybe among multiple options, it's good if we can make a list, a list of the pros and cons for each decision. Or even better, it's if we can line up the alternative side by side and make a comparison. Well, this chapter, this chapter places wisdom and folly side by side. 
It lines them up nicely, allowing for us to make a comparison. And here we clearly see the differences between these two possible paths of life, the path of wisdom and the path of folly. So this evening, what we're going to simply do is we're going to look at these differences. We're going to look at five differences from this chapter, five contrasts between wisdom and folly. And hopefully these contrasts will help us to better understand both wisdom and folly, and really to help us to avoid the traps and and the deceptions of folly and to stay really on the path of wisdom. So that's what we're going to do tonight. So let's dive right in here. The first contrast that we see in this passage is that wisdom is substantial and folly is empty. Wisdom is substantial, folly folly is empty. Take a look at uh, verse 1. It says, Wisdom has built her houses. She has hewn her seven pillars. So the image that we see here is that of building, building a house. So wisdom has a solid foundation. It has hewn out pillars to secure the structures. And the pillars would have been hewn out of, of mighty trees, maybe even the, the famed cedars of Lebanon, which are, were the proverbial symbol of strength, symbol of natural strength. And these mighty pillars would provide stability and strength to the house. And this image symbolizes the strength and stability that are found in wisdom. But wisdom does not solely rely on natural strength, on human skill, natural skill of of design. We see here this number of the pillars that wisdom has hewn. And the number of pillars here is seven. And this is significant. And why is that? Well, seven is the divine number. It's associated with God. If you remember when we studied Revelation, we saw seven frequently. It symbolized the divine perfection. Remember, God rested on the seventh day of creation. And this symbolizes that wisdom has a divine, not a human foundation. Wisdom's mighty strength comes not from man, but comes from God himself. This reminds us of of Jesus' parable. Remember the parable from the Sermon on the Mount about the wise man? The wise man built his house, what? Upon the rock, upon the solid foundation. Remember when the rains came and the floods came, what happened to the house? The house stood firm. And I know I'm going to get everyone singing that, that song right now. The wise man built his, his uh, house upon the rock. Well, that rock is Jesus. Jesus Christ is the solid rock. And the wise man builds his house upon Christ. And wisdom's foundation is Christ. And more than that, as we saw in in the last sermon that we did a couple of weeks ago on Proverbs chapter 8, Christ is actually wisdom personified. Wisdom personified is our Lord Jesus Christ. So having Christ is having wisdom. The wise see Christ. The wise cling to Christ. A life of wisdom is a life that is in alignment with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is alignment with his word, alignment with scripture. This is wisdom. Now let's contrast this stability that we see in wisdom with the emptiness we see in folly. Take a look at verse 13. It says, The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. Folly is loud because folly has no substance. She attempts to force her opinion because she has nothing profitable to say, nothing that would naturally draw people to listen to her. And the verse says that she is seductive. 
The Hebrew word here actually means simple or, or silly in an attempt to seduce. So you can think of the woman who, who puts on that dumb blonde act, the, the, whole, the helpless female act, to attract an equally dumb man. She's trivial. There's no substance to her. And she seeks to draw others into her triviality. Now her wisdom is deep. Wisdom is wise and, and, and has much substance. Folly is shallow. Wisdom is concerned with the eternal and, and the rich truths of God. Folly is concerned with the latest fads. What is here today and gone tomorrow. Folly seeks the new and the spectacular and the flashy. It, it rejects the tried and the true. And the verse ends with the bottom line about folly. She knows nothing. She knows nothing. She is empty. There is nothing there. There is no content. Nothing of value. Nothing of substance. She is fake. It's all an act. That's folly. And doesn't this really seem to describe our modern world? Our obsession with the trivial? And this is to be expected. Where wisdom is, found, where wisdom is, is founded on God, folly is the opposite of wisdom. Folly is anti-wisdom. It is anti-God. It is opposed to God. It is in rebellion against God. Folly is founded on fallen man's sinful attempt to be autonomous. And human autonomy is folly. It is empty. It is an illusion. And this is what we see in our culture. We see a rejection of God. And this has led to us embracing foolishness, folly, just stuff that leads to nothing. There's no substance. So this is our second contrast that we see in this passage. Or this leads us to the second contrast. The second contrast is wisdom brings real joy. Wisdom satisfies. Folly gives the, just an illusion of joy that ultimately will disappoint. Where wisdom brings real joy, folly brings illusion of joy. As my father would say, folly is sizzle and wisdom is the steak. If you take a look at verse 2, speaking of wisdom, it says, Wisdom has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. See, wisdom provides rich and joyous food. They're not vegetarians in the Bible. The best and the most, most nutritious food in ancient times was meat, not vegetables. And this was the best of the best. Do you remember when the prodigal son returned? What did the father slaughter? He slaughtered the fatted calf, not the fatted watermelon, right? <laughs> not, the fat, not the fatted uh, eggplant. No, it was a fatted calf. See, this type of food is reserved only for the, for the most joyous celebrations. Likewise, the same thing with wine. Wine in the ancient world was associated with joyous celebrations. It was used to make the heart glad. Well, wisdom provides real and satisfying joy. Folly provides only, limita only imitations of joy. And ultimately, these, these limitations can never satisfy. Again, and this makes sense because true joy, where does true joy come from? It comes from God. And wisdom is founded on God himself. Now let's look at this contrast with folly. Take a look at verse 17. <clears throat> it says, Stole, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Notice that folly offers no real joy. Rather, what it offers is only a thrill. The thrill that comes from being bad. 
the thrill that comes from, from doing what is, what is not required, what, what is opposed to what is good. See, the water is sweet, not in and of itself. It is sweet because it is stolen. The pleasure comes not from the, the bread, but from the fact that the bread is eaten in secret. And there, there are so many people that get a thrill out of breaking the rules, drawing outside the lines, not conforming to others' expectations, being their authentic self. Well, this is true. Your authentic self is a sinner. So if you want to be your authentic self, uh, that's not really a good thing. And this is the folly folly. What it does is it turns God's natural order on its head. It calls what is good evil and what is evil good. And we see this so clearly in our culture, don't we? We celebrate depravity. And failure to celebrate depravity is called hateful. We call murdering the unborn. We call that women's health care. As Nathan described in his sermon last week, we call pride and covetedness good business sense. We're, we're so confused that we have a Supreme Court justice who doesn't know the difference between a man and a woman, what a woman is. It's like we live in the comic book bizarro world where everything is the polar opposite of the real world. But my friends, this just doesn't work. It doesn't work. We, we live in God's world. We don't live in bizarro world. And our foolish attempt to turn around God's natural order just will not work. And here's the the reality about the pleasures of sin. They do not satisfy. See, our foolish attempts to to find uh, satisfaction in sin actually increases the intensity of our longing, our longing for something real, something that sin can never provide. See, what sin does is it deadens. It deadens our ability to enjoy and actually destroys anything that is good that we may have. And a good illustration of, of this fact of sin, that it, that it, that it never satisfies, and it just increases our longing, is the, uh, the, from the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the uh, enchanted Turkish delight. Remember, remember this? Uh, the mere sight and the mere aroma of the, of the Turkish delight caused anyone just to intensely desire it. And once you started eating it, the food didn't, uh, didn't satisfy, but it actually caused more hunger. It caused more desire. So you started, started eating it faster and faster and faster. You couldn't get enough. And the more you ate, the more you desired it. To the point when it was actually taken away, you would do anything to get it. We see this, the, the main character uh, would even betray his own family to get more of this Turkish delight. And this is what folly is like. This is what sin is like. See, the, 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 this pleasure is the pleasure of folly. We're... we're the pleasures of wisdom actually lead to something that's real, leads to satisfaction. Folly just robs us of any real joy, of any real pleasure. <clears throat> the third contrast here is wisdom gives an invitation to share its joy, where folly just seeks to entrap others in its misery. So wisdom shares the joy. Folly shares the misery. And look at uh, verses 3 through 6 where it speaks of wisdom. It says, Wisdom has set out, sent out her young women to call from the highest places in town. Whoever is simple, let him turn and hear. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. See, wisdom is evangelistic. It seeks to share its joy with others. It proclaims its truth in an attempt to free those who are in bondage 
to folly. The message is proclaimed here from the highest places in town. The message is not hidden. Wisdom does not act in secret. Wisdom is not covert. It is above board. It it does not hide its intention. It proclaims its truth for all to hear. With wisdom, what you see is what you get. Wisdom does not shapeshift. It does not play people. It doesn't people please. Wisdom is consistent and, and presents consistent values. Specifically, wisdom here targets the simple with its evangelism. And if you remember when we started our study in, in uh, Proverbs several months ago, we saw that the simple, they are the blank slates. They're the ones who could go either way. They could become wise or they could become fools. What they need is instruction. In fact, that's the purpose of the, the, whole, the entire book of Proverbs is to provide this instruction to the simple. And look what is promised to the simple. It offers the real and substantial pleasures that we just looked at in the previous point. Verse 5 offers bread and wine. It offers substance that, that nourishes the simple, that builds them up, that enables them also to become wise. See, wisdom brings real benefit to the simple. It seeks their good. It seeks to build them up. It seeks to make them better. See, wisdom doesn't seek its own benefit. Wisdom seeks the benefit of others. And because of this, wisdom speaks the truth. Even when the truth is uncomfortable, wisdom gives a stern warning to the simple here to leave their simple ways because these ways ultimately lead to death. And I'm sure these these warnings are uncomfortable to hear. I'm sure they may cause hurt feelings among those who are simple. Some of the simple may not listen. They may go the other way. Wisdom may be accused of being harsh and being unloving and not being winsome. But wisdom must speak the truth. Wisdom must issue its warning. Now let's contrast this with folly. Folly too is evangelistic. Folly too wants to spread its message. But its message is a message of poison. Verses 14 through 16 speaks of the evangelism of folly. Look, look at these verses. It says, Folly sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town. Very similar. Calling out to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way, who are simple. See, it's targeting the same simple. Let him turn and hear. So you see this parallel. Folly, just like wisdom, it sits on the highest place in the town. She also seeks out the simple. But see, folly is different. Its motive is different. Folly seeks not to bless, but rather to corrupt. What folly offers, what, what folly, folly offers is corruption to the simple. Folly offers sin. And what she does is she stresses it up. She makes it look attractive. She makes it look seductive and, and tantalizing. She dangles sin right there in front of the simple, making it look irresistible all the while hiding the hook, hiding the hook of death that she is poised to to plunge into the heart of the simple. See, wisdom builds others up. Folly tears them down. Folly seeks their destruction. Jesus said to the Pharisees in, in Matthew 23, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when you... When he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much the child of hell as yourself. 
See, sadly, the world is it's much better, much more effective evangelist than the children of God. The fourth contrast between wisdom and folly seen in this passage is that wisdom seeks to learn and welcomes correction, where folly despises correction. Look at verse 9. It says, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will become still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. See, the wise man is teachable. The wise man and a wise woman learns from correction. The wise person understands the value of honest feedback. They don't get offended. They don't get discouraged by correction. But they understand that getting honest feedback and making necessary adjustments, this is essential to improving. This is essential for our sanctification. But the fool, the scoffer, the scoffer hates feedback. He takes offense. He reacts badly. Instead of being thankful for the correction, knowing what will help him improve, the fool reacts in anger. <clears throat> look, at, look at verses 7 and 8. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man and cures injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. I remember I, I showed a video just to, to Sarah this afternoon that I saw of a man going into a church a church that supposedly welcomes everyone, affirms everyone. And he starts asking questions in this church. And it's, it soon becomes clear that he actually believes the Bible. And he's asking, he's pointing out the inconsistencies that this church has with the Bible. And all of a sudden, this very loving and very accepting community become very hostile to him. They start, they, at one point, one person assaults him. They tell him to leave. They throw him out of the church. They start being awfully violent and awfully bitter to him. And he's asking, he says, I thought you accept everyone. They don't see folly. That, this, this was a, a church that was opposed to God's word. It was built on folly. And it got angry when it was attempted to be corrected. And this man was being very gentle. He's being very, he's being very um, uh, <clears throat> polite in asking his questions. But just asking the questions brought the hatred. And I've seen this personally in my dealings with, with some fools where I would just bring, them, just bring them God's word, quote God's word, and I would have anger and hatred at me of, of being called a bigot by quoting God's word. And that is the anger that you see. And you know what happens then? What happens is we just figure we're not going to do it anymore. It's not worth our hassle. It takes too much effort. We get too much abuse. We don't want to correct them anymore. We just leave them alone. But who loses in this situation? It's the fool. The fool does not get the benefit of another's perspective. And where the scoffer will hate correction? Look at what verse 8 says about the wise. It says, reprove a wise man and he will love you. He will love you. See, we don't want to be in an echo chamber. We want people to reprove us. We want people to help us to learn and to get wiser. That's what the wise do. That's what wisdom does. But folly does the opposite. Folly does not want to be challenged. It wants to stay in its foolishness. The final contrast here between wisdom and folly shows the ultimate end of both wisdom and folly. Wisdom leads to life and folly leads to death. Take a look at verse 6. It says, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. This is wisdom's call to the simple. It's to turn from its simple ways and to live. Life comes from following God and living according to the wisdom that comes from God. Now compare this verse with verse 18, which speaks of folly. 
but he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. See, folly leads to death, both physical death and eternal death. Folly is anti-God, and life comes from God and God alone. So here we are. We've lined up wisdom on one side and folly on the other side. And this chapter clearly shows the value of wisdom over the emptiness of folly. But this comparison still leaves us with a question. And it's an important question, probably the most important question that we can ask. And the question is, how do I become wise? And the answer is given in verse 10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. This is actually the theme verse of all of the book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. Wisdom comes from having a right relationship with God. And the only way to be truly wise is to know God. The only way to be truly wise is to be known by him. Ultimate wisdom is found in one place. It's found in Jesus Christ and him alone. It comes from being united to Christ by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Knowing God, being known by him, and being united to Christ, that then opens us up to God's wisdom. But it's not just a one-time thing. Godly wisdom comes from daily walking with Christ, daily studying his word, regular fellowship with his people in the church, regular Lord's Day's worship like we are doing right now, regular participation in the means of grace, the word preached, the word read, and the sacraments like we are going to be doing later this evening. So this is the difference between wisdom and folly. And it's very simple. Choose wisdom. Choose Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the book of Proverbs. We thank you for the clear contrast that we see between wisdom and folly. And Father, it does break our hearts that so many that we know, so many that we love, so many in our society cannot see wisdom. They are blinded by folly. They are blinded by their own foolishness. And because of this, they run away from you. They reject you. They react in anger when people try to correct them, try to even quote your word. And Father, we do pray. We pray, Lord, that you will change that. You will not just allow these people to continue down that path. Father, we pray for us. We pray that we will not become that way, that we will not become hard-hearted and refuse to listen, that we will be like the wise one who accepts rebuke and loves the person who rebukes us. Not one of us knows it all, Father, and we need, we need that rebuke. We need that training. We need that sanctification. Father, we do pray that you prepare us now to receive your sacrament. We lead all this in Jesus' name. Amen.